0: Jesus, you go into scripture whenever he walked on this earth during his. You go into scripture whenever he talk about a broad path that we can follow, or a narrow path that we path that we can follow, or a narrow path that we can follow, and one's going to lead to destruction for our lives, and there's going to be chaos. It looks good on the front end, but as you get further and further along on the path, and when you step from here into eternity you understand the true destruction that it brings but the other path as scripture points out it's a little less traveled but it's one of those ones that scripture tells us that fewer people find but it leads to life and peace not just here on earth but one day whenever we step into eternity as well Matthew chapter 7 it records whenever Jesus was talking about this and he made this statement he said enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. As small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I'm going to tell you today, if you have the courage to step from that broad path, what we would, in our society and our culture would say is the norm, if you have the courage to step from that path onto, as he speaks about, the narrow path, You can trust me in this, that you will find the peace in the life that Jesus truly intended for all of us to walk in. The life that he truly went to the cross so that all of us can truly enjoy as we walk through this life, but one day as we meet him face to face in eternity. You might say, well, well, Pastor Jay, I mean, our society, our culture says the broad path, you know, is the way to go and all this kind of stuff. And, And I understand that. I know that that's true. But remember, it leads to destruction And here's what I'm going to tell you that you need to understand. What our world, what our society, what our culture says is normal is not working. What our society, our culture, our world says is the norm is not what God intended for us. And so we're in a series right now uh, called Refocus. We actually jumped off in this at the beginning of the year. And what we have really talked about was not making resolutions this year But simply allowing God to bring his change into our life in a way that's enjoyable. His change into our life in a way that we truly can embrace as we we walk through life. And what we talked about the very first week, if you were here the first Sunday of this year, I shared with you that the first step is we have to discover what is truly important for our lives. And I I shared my list with you of what was important for me as I prayed and got with the Lord. And Stacy and I talked. It, It was my faith, my my family my friends and my finances. And I shared that with you, and I challenged you to make your list. And then I said, what we're going to do is we're going to go through this because these all touch a part of our life. And we're going to discuss them. And the first uh, week, we talked about our faith, how we can grow in our walk with Christ, and things that we can allow God to change so that we can draw closer to him. And last week, if you were here, Stacey and I had a blast. We talked about marriage, just really practical things that we can do within our marriage to have a strong and healthy marriage. But it went from that also over into our family. And today we're going to talk about our finances. We're supposed to talk about uh, relationships, but I switched it around. And this week I want to talk about finances and just some practical things. Now, let me put your mind at ease because typically when you go into church and pastor says, Oh, we're going to talk about finances today, this is what people are like, Oh, okay, here we go. He's raising money for the church. It's not what we're doing, okay? You can actually take those fears and throw them out the window. Today, what I want to do is I want to help you understand stepping from that broad path of what the world says is normal regarding your finances onto the narrow path of what God has for you so that worry and stress and anxiety, all those things can go out the window. And in the area of life regarding your finances, you can enjoy the peace that God truly has for you as you walk throughout life. And so let me take a moment real quick. I do want to welcome all of our first-time guests. My name is Jay. My wife, Stacy, and I are the lead pastors here. It's an honor and privilege to have you as our guests today. And I also want to take a moment and welcome all of those who are watching online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And, And church family, can we give our guests and our online guests a great big hand clap today? Let's welcome them. And then Stacey and I are blessed. We have a very special friend with us today, Miss Jo Beth Miller. We work together. You guys hear me talk about Lafayette all the time. We work together in Lafayette for, what was it, eight years, Jo Beth, something like that. And she surprises us more. morning. Let's give her a great big hand clap today as well. Good to have you with us, Jo Beth. And then as we dive off into this, I did want to take a moment to invite you guys to come out tonight to be a part of step two of our growth track. Everybody wants to know, how do I get plugged in here, Journey? What are my steps? It's very simple we actually have step one step two step three for you throughout our growth track and you don't have to take them in order but tonight is step two and it is all about helping you to grow in your relationship with christ and it, this growth track helps you understand who we are as a church what we believe what we stand for what our vision is and uh, also, how you can discover the giftings that God has placed within your life, and you can use those gifts to build His kingdom. And so tonight, five o'clock. If you've never taken step two of the growth track, I encourage you come this evening. Go to our website, takethejourney.tv, or stop by the welcome center, and they can give you some direction there as to about being here tonight for an awesome class. Now, you might say, "Well, why are we talking about finances? I don't understand this." Well. One of the reasons why is because this is an area within our life that Jesus, when he was on the earth, he spoke to it a whole lot. And the reason why is because he knows that it's such a big part of our lives. And here's what we're going to dive off into this today. How many of you in this room have ever done something stupid? Raise your hand. Okay. Look at your neighbor and say, you too? We we all do stupid stuff. Now, here's the big question. How many of you in this room have ever done something stupid regarding your finances? Raise your hand. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I thought. Now hold up. Be proud of it. Hold a hand. Just hold it up. Now look around. I want you to do this. Look around. Uh-huh. Smile at him. Be like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> Wait. Here's one of the lies of the devil. You are the only one. Everybody else has their act together. They got their marriage, their family, their faith. They got it figured out and you're the only loser that doesn't. And I'm going to tell you something. That is a lie of the enemy. All of us have made mistakes in different parts of life And we need to come together as a body of Christ and grow together and learn together from what he tells us in his word. And so today we're going to talk about this because this is an area that affects so much a part of our lives. And you might say, well, well, what does this actually look like? Well, let me tell you, because when you get into how we handle our finances... Typically, within our household, it is somewhat sobering to look at statistics. Statistically, here's what it looks like within our households. The average American household today has $135,768 of debt. Now, here's, let me break it down for you a little bit, because some of you in this room might say, well, yeah, that sounds about right for me. Some of you might say it's a little bit less, some of you even more, because that figure takes in your mortgage... Uh, credit, uh, student loan, the debt that maybe you have, credit card debt, home equity lines, all of these things, and that is a nationwide average, 350 plus million people, they take that and make a national average. And I'm just going to tell you, when you look at that figure, when you account into that people who are renting, people who own their homes, people who have already got their homes paid out, well, that's a lot of debt, Okay. And it breaks down even further than that because actually within our households, we have an outstanding credit card debt of $6,929 per household. That's the norm. That is the average. And remember this, the norm is not working, okay, because it leads us down the broad road of destruction and all of these things for our life. That's one of the reasons why we're stressed out and worried and anxious and have all these things going on within our life. Because sometimes we make poor decisions regarding our finances, get ourselves in a pickle, and then we think there's no way out of this. And so here's the thing. You think that $6,929 of credit card debt per household is huge. Here's the part that kind of sickens me whenever I read this, is that the average household in America pays $1,141 a year in credit card interest. Now, today, to illustrate this, I was going to take some cash, like some 1s, 5s, 10s, 20s, whatever, and I was going to light it up here on the platform, like 20 bucks. I was going to light it up set it on fire to give you guys an illustration of what it's like to pay interest on credit card debt. But then one of my friends said, well, well, you know, that's illegal to do that, okay? (laughs) And then I thought, I do not want you guys to see like our our awesome deputies who serve here. Let's give them a great big hand clap today. They do a phenomenal job. I didn't want to like light it up and have them like, you know, like rush the platform and take me down and like tase me in front of you and stuff. So I said, we're not going to do that, okay? But literally, credit card interest is like you're taking money and setting it on fire to the tune of a little over $1,100 a year. Now, how many of you in this room could use, a, you could use $1,100 extra per year? Raise your hand, way up high, okay? It'd be a tremendous blessing to our lives. Well, if we will come to the place where we can get our finances in order, we actually will begin to get to the place where we can experience freedom. Everybody say freedom. Now, here's the thing, because we even train our kids to to start their lives off in debt, because the average uh, college student finishes college with $47,671 in debt. That's a lot of money in student loan payments. That's a scary thing, but here's the reason why this is so important. is because 40% of marriages that are seeking divorce... Cite financial issues as the reason for the divorce. It affects our marriages. Now, I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand. Stacy, raise your hand too. (laughs) How many of you in this room, in your household, you have fought with your spouse regarding money? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. This church, y'all. Okay, ain't nobody going to judge you. The pastor got his hand in the air, okay? (laughs) And and here's what I'm going to tell you usually within our households there's tension and friction regarding the finances and we argue, fight, have a discussion, whatever you want to call it and there's pressure there. And the enemy comes along and he takes full advantage of that and he causes a wedge to be driven between you in your marriage and it causes a division within your family as well. So if we will focus on our finances and begin to get them in order and allow God to change our thinking in the way that we uh, regard our finances, it will begin to improve all areas of our life. We find freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom. Love that word. And we're going to think about that a lot today. Now, here's what Kimberly Palmer says. She's a credit card expert. I love the place she works. Nerd Wallet. I love that name. But here's what Kimberly said. This is a quote that I wrote down that I, I loved. She said, credit card debt is the stain on millions of Americans' finances that doesn't scrub off easily, if ever. Basically, what she's saying is this. We get in the trap, and we think, well, well I can't ever fix this, and we stay in the trap. And on average, we spend 11 to $1,200 a year in interest, and we think, well, this is the norm. And remember, the norm isn't working we got to get off the broad road that leads to destruction and get on what Jesus has for our lives. Amen? Amen. So you might say, well, okay, well, this is great. We've talked about our kids. We've talked about our marriage. We've talked about our households. But you know what? We're actually seeing, because everything starts at the top and works its way down. We see this within our nation because even within our government, they are training us that being in debt is a good thing. Did you realize that the United States of America this year, if, if my figures are correct and you go to the National Debt Clock, we should top $22 trillion in national debt this year? You say, well, well, well let's pay that sucker off. Hey, let, let, let's, let's do some accounting and get this thing paid off. What if we as a nation said we're paying off? our national debt, we're all going to team together. It doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, whatever it might be, we're going to pay this thing off. We're all going to chip in our fair share to pay it off. Well, here's the breakdown. If you took every person in America, man, woman, and child, and they each paid their fair share, it would equate $66,860 per person to pay off the national debt. So we are taught that the norm is this, but remember, the norm's not working. It leads to destruction. And so within our households, if we want what God's plan is, we want his peace, we want his strength within our marriages, our families, let's get off the broad path of what the norm is, and let's allow the Holy Spirit to lead us down the path that leads to to life and peace. Amen? So Jesus, I love it because when he walked on this earth, he confronted this subject a whole lot. In fact, you go through and do the math on he talked about this stuff more than any other. He talked about the subject of money more than he talked about any other subject. Because he knew that it was something that we could have within our lives as an issue. In other words, we could let finances and stuff and and, and all that get a hold of us and become what drives us as we go through life. In other words, it could become an idol in our life. And so he dealt with this. And I like it because he's trying to teach us, hey guys, if you're not careful, your heart gets misguided. And you let things take over the ownership of your heart. Instead of letting Jesus be the Lord of your life, your finances will be the Lord of your life. okay? And that is not what God intended for us. And we begin to pursue stuff. And we begin to try to keep up with the Joneses. And I like to say it this way, don't keep up with the Joneses. They're going bankrupt, okay? (laughs) So the norm isn't working. So I'm going to take you today, if you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at a parable, which is, in modern day language, a story that Jesus shared... And we're going to look at this together because he tells this story and he breaks it down in a way that we can all understand. Now, here's the deal. When you get into this story, the very first thing he's talking about, he he talks about a rich man. And so many times we read stuff like that in the scripture and we say, well, that's not me. I'm not rich. Okay. But if you live in America, and I think the last time I checked this, if you make on average above, I think it's $30,000 per year, you're in the top wealthiest people in this entire world. Okay. So, in reality, we are rich, we do have great resources, and we need to take ourselves and understand, well, that part of Scripture doesn't apply to me. It all applies to us, okay? It all has something to do with our lives, and we learn from it. So, Jesus told this story in Luke uh, chapter 12. He says, he's talking to a, a group of people there, and he says, and he told them this parable. Remember, that's a story. And he said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest and he thought to himself what shall I do I have no place to store my crops now here's the deal basically he had a he had a bumper year I mean it was awesome he got to the end of the year he looked at his books he said man I had a great year I've got an abundance of crops of of resources of money whatever it might be what am I going to do look what happens He says, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, when I read that, I think, that sounds great. That's awesome, because, you know, the norm, whenever you, you see something like that, you're like, You know what, let's take it easy, let's kick back, let's relax, you know, and and just enjoy life. But the problem that you do not see that Jesus is trying to help us understand is that this guy's resources, his money, his things, his toys, his grain, whatever you want to call it, it had a hold of his heart. And he was focused on it. You might say, well, well, Pastor Jay, I, I I don't have like... Where I'm like, you know, tear down, you know, tear down that barn and let's build a bigger one. You know, that, that doesn't really apply to me. You know what we do whenever we get too much stuff? We go rent a storage space. Right? We put it there. We don't, we don't go, te- you, know, you know, tear down that barn and build a bigger one. We go down to AAA storage and we say, well, you know what? I need like a 10 by 20 and we pay $100 a month for stuff that we're never going to use for the rest of our life to sit there. And we hold on to it. And we we tear down a barn and we build a bigger one. And so in this story, you see that this guy's heart was caught up in what was the norm. And the norm's not working. we got to get off the broad road that brings destruction and anxiety and stress and all of these things. And here's the thing that we have to use extreme caution with. Our human nature is to pursue the same thing that this guy is. And we get distracted away from what is truly important in life. We get distracted away from what God really has for us. And we make life all about pursuing money, thinking that that money will make us happy. And we begin to pursue stuff, thinking that stuff will make us happy. Now, listen, because, you know, one of my boys told me, said, you know, Dad, they say money can't buy happiness. But happiness can buy a jet ski, and a jet ski makes me happy. (laughs) I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm not speaking against having stuff, it's okay, you know I have have a little duck boat that I love to take out on the lake and go duck hunting and all that kind of stuff. The problem is too many times we make life all about pursuing stuff and money and it begins to get a hold of our heart and the next thing you know we have a lot of anxiety and stress within our lives because we are pursuing the, the idol of stuff and money. And, and, and it begins to dominate our lives. And Jesus is trying to help us understand, hey, guys, that's not why I went to the cross. I went to the cross so that you can experience freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Now, here's the deal. What happens is we even begin to embrace financial principles that are actually are are not good. They're not healthy for our lives, our families, or our marriages and we begin to let those things begin to be a part of us. And when we step from the broad path onto the narrow path, we begin to experience life, peace, and freedom the way that God intended for us. So I want us to talk about today experiencing freedom as a part of our finances in, in all areas of our life. And what I wanna be able to do is I'm just gonna simply share with you some principles that I'm not gonna to lie to you, they're, they're a little difficult to embrace, but if you will embrace them, then the worry, the stress, the anxiety, maybe the fighting within your marriage that's going on regarding your finances, it'll go out the window. I'm going to be honest with you. Stacey and I, uh, when we were younger and up probably until, what, the last 10 to 15 years, we fought about money a whole lot. And then we begin to embrace these principles, and it took some time. But honestly, I can stand here and, and tell you, as God is my witness, I do not remember the last time she and I argued about finances. I just cannot remember it has been so long ago and the reason why is because we began to embrace these principles for our lives and it brought so much freedom to us and i want to share them with you they're they're somewhat difficult to embrace but if you embrace them you're going to experience the peace and joy that god intends for all of us to walk in in life now i know what you're thinking well pastor Jay, does that mean you know since then last 10 15 years you had not made a stupid decision with finances Absolutely not. We, we have done some things. It's like, oh, Lord, we, we need to repent for that and need to move forward from that. But I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest things that Stacy and I within our household have experienced that has brought so much peace is we have brought ourselves together in, in unity. And if you want peace in your finances, have unity within, between you and husband and wife. And make sure you do this. You discuss every financial decision. You're in peace about every financial decision. And you are in agreement about every financial decision. Let me tell you about the stupidest thing that I ever did. I made a decision some years ago when we had only been married for a few years to dive off into something, and I'm sitting there writing this check into this investment, and my wife, while I'm writing the check, she's sitting there and she's crying. Now, if you want a sign from God that something is not the right thing, (laughs) your wife sitting there crying probably is the sign from God and I wrote that check out, and guess what? It, I could have taken that, that money and literally set it on fire because never got anything from it. And my wife, we're sitting there, and she's crying, and I'm like, it's gonna be okay. Daddy got this, you know. <laughs> and she didn't say, that's pretty funny right there, I'll just saying, <laughs> She didn't say anything then. But then when we got home, Oh, man, it was on. And then whenever we didn't get anything back from the investment, whoo, man, for years, I, I'm like, look, we put that on the blood of Jesus a long time ago, all right? So I'm hoping by me triggering her memory, she don't say nothing about it to you know, but let's move on, okay? So there's financial principles that we can adopt within our life and it's stepping from the broad path onto the narrow path, and we experience what God really intends for us to live as we walk through life. And here's the first one this is, this is something that we need to get about, and it's this I've got to learn to shift my thinking about my finances. Now you say, Well, what do you mean? What am I shifting it to? You've got to shift your thinking away from this, that it's all yours. You've got to shift your thinking from it belongs to me to this, it does not belong to me, it belongs to Him everything my checking account my savings account my retirement account my car my house my clothes everything I have is his he's the owner of it and every couple that I do premarital counseling for I walk them through this and I say I can prove to you that you don't own it and they say well how how's that and I say this well when you die how much do you take with you you Well, well none well, then it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the one who made it. And God is the one who owns it. He just puts it in your hands for you to watch over and oversee. And here's the thing. You might say, well, what does that have to do with helping me to understand, you know, experiencing God's peace in my life? Well, here's the principle. It is the difference between a renter and an owner. And it looks like this. When Stacy and I were first married, probably for the first four years of our marriage, we actually rented. And we've owned a house for probably the last, I don't know, 20 years around that years, and here's what happened. Whenever we rented, I would walk in the house uh, or the apartment or where we were living, and the refrigerator was out, and I didn't worry and stress, like, oh, man, where am I going to get the $1,000 to buy a new refrigerator? You know what I did? I picked up the phone, and I called the landlord, and I said, hey, look, my refrigerator went out, and he's like, I'm on it, and usually that day or the next day, I had a new refrigerator or my refrigerator was fixed. You know why? Because I didn't own it. He owned it. And guess what? Air conditioner went out. We're sweating in the house or in the apartment where we were living. I pick up the phone, call the landlord. Hey, listen, air conditioner's out. He'd have somebody there. He'd fix it. I didn't have to worry about it. You know why? Because I didn't own it. It was his. And guess what? We always had good landlords. But guess what? Now, if my air conditioner goes out and I call my old landlord and say, hey, listen, Air conditioner's out. He's going to say, you know what? That's on you, my brother, okay? Why? Because I what? Own it. It's mine. And guess what? When you have your finances and you say, it's mine, I own it. Whenever something goes wrong in life, you are stressed out and anxious and worried and all these things that come along with that ownership. But when you say, God, guess what? You're the landlord. You're a good landlord. And this is yours. I'm just watching over it, you've put it in my hands, but God, I've got this going on in my life. Guess what? It takes a load of stress and anxiety and worry off your shoulders. If you'll simply shift your mindset, God, this all belongs to you. It's not mine, and scripture backs it up. First Chronicles chapter 29, it says this, the writer tells us, Praise be to you, O Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Where are you going with this, Pastor Jay? Look at the next one. For everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. It all belongs to him. And here's what I'm going to tell you. When we embrace that mindset of it belongs to him, we walk throughout this life with a blessed mindset, and the stress and anxiety are not there, and we are able to be led of the Holy Spirit as we go through life and make decisions regarding our finances. So if you want practicality, here's the first practical thing I'll tell you. Be in unity with your spouse about every decision you make. If you and your spouse talk about a decision financially, and one or the other is not for it, just feels like this is not the right thing to do, then understand that's probably the Holy Spirit speaking. And here's the next thing that we get to as we embrace a a mindset of, God, this all belongs to you. It is not mine. It is yours. You are a good landlord, and you put resources in my hands, which brings me to the next thing that we need to do. You have got to embrace a stewardship mindset. Now, let me tell you what. Everybody say stewardship. A lot of people don't understand that word. When they see that word, steward or stewardship, here's what they think. Oh, man. Oh, man. They're trying to raise money for the church. They're talking about stewardship. Okay? Actually, that word, the definition of it is one who manages or oversees someone's property that is not their own. And it comes from old English times whenever a lord of a manor would put a steward to have stewardship over a property. It didn't belong to the steward. He just made sure he had proper stewardship over it. He was watching over it as though it was his. That Lord would say, This is, you know, I'm gonna put this in your hands. I'm gonna trust you with this. I'm gonna leave and you watch over my property as though it were your own. And that's where that word stewardship comes from. Here's the thing if we can embrace a stewardship mindset, God, it's not mine, it's all yours, and I am watching over the resources, they're yours, that you put into my hands, it will revolutionize and change. The way that you handle your finances. Whenever you realize, I'm handling God's stuff. i got to be a good steward over his stuff. And here's the thing. God requires me to return a portion to him. We call that the tithe. But he wants us to manage over the rest of it very wisely. And here's the thing. And this is a hard question. I'm just going to ask you this. How are you handling this stuff? How are you doing in that area? Because, I'm going to tell you something, if you have God's car, or truck, or whatever it might be, and you're not changing the oil, and you're abusing it, and you're tearing it up, mm, not good. If, you have, if you're living in God's house, and you're not taking care of it, and you're not a wise steward over it, and you're abusing it, not making repairs, and tearing it up, and all, not good. If you've got guys, your tools, and they're bouncing around the back of your truck and you're destroying them and, and all that kind of stuff, or, or your, your retirement, or, or whatever it might be, your, your checking account or your savings account, you're just wasting money and blowing through stuff. Here's the thing. How is God going to trust you with more when you can't even take good care of the things that he's put into your hands now? Pastor Jay, you're just being mean. <laughs> I'm being honest with you because I love you, Okay. And here's what I'm going to throw your direction. Here's, here's what kind of brings it home. How does it make you feel when you loan a friend something and they destroy it? We just witnessed this in our house. Okay? You think, well, Pastor Jay, you got everything figured out, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Okay? There's areas and things when we teach on all this stuff, God's working on me and Stacy just like he is on all of y'all. And in our household, we, we had an experience not too long ago, just a perfect example of this my, one of my sons came to me, and he said, Dad, hey, listen, I'm going duck hunting. Can I, can I use old Krusty Rusty? And that is my favorite shotgun. I've had it for about 17 years, and it is the, the shotgun that is just old Krusty old Rusty. It's, it's one that's old reliable. I've paddled the boat with it. I've dropped it in the mud, but I, I keep it up. I clean it, and it does have a few rust spots on it because it's old, and it's just my, my junk shotgun, but it is my favorite shotgun, y'all. He said, can I borrow crusty rusty? I'm like, absolutely, take it. Go shoot a limit of birds. And he went and used it. And, and a couple weeks later, I was walking through our garage and I noticed something leaned up in the corner. I'm like, what in the world? Went over. And sure enough, it's crusty rusty. And, and it wasn't just crusty-rusty, it was encased in rusty crusty. I mean, like it was rusted over. I had a Jesus moment. <laughs> I took a picture of it, sent it to him, and said, What in the world is going on? He Dad, dad, hold on, hold on. This is what happened, okay? We got up at two o'clock. We drove, went hunting. I put it in the case, put it in the back of my truck, and, and I got home and, and I didn't unload. And, and while I was in, I, I just went straight to bed because I was sleepy and, and it rained on it. And, and then I pulled the case. I forgot the shotgun was in there and it sat in that wet, case for like two days. <laughs> I said, okay, son, what are you going to do? He said, I- I'm going to clean it up. I'm, I'm going gonna- to take care of it. It's going be- to be as good as new. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to trust you in that area. He said, all right, I got it. And about probably a week or two later, he came to me and he said, Dad, we're going duck hunting tomorrow. Can I use your new shotgun you just got in September? The one, you know, the one you haven't even got out of the gun safe since, the one you haven't even shot yet, the one that when you got it, you broke it down in every little piece and oiled it and cleaned it, put it all back together, put a new choke tube in the end of it so you could make ducks rain down from heaven. You haven't even used it yet. Can I use that shotgun? Absolutely not. (laughs) That ain't fair. Why not? Let me pull a picture up for you, son. You see this picture here? Let me tell you what. If we don't take care of the resources that God puts in our hands, how can he trust us with more resources? We've got to be good stewards. Father, it all belongs to you. You've just trusted it into my life for me to watch over. And if I'm a good steward, you're going to bless me with more to be responsible for. But if I'm not a good steward, you're probably going to hold back, just like Pastor Jay held back that new shotgun from his son. Well, back this up in Scripture, Pastor Jay. I'm glad you asked. Luke 16 Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Speaks about responsibility within our lives. So what do I do here, Pastor? I've got to, I've got to change my mindset. God, it's yours. It, it doesn't belong to me. It's all yours. I've got to embrace a stewardship mindset. Of God, I'm watching over your stuff and taking care of it. And then here's the next thing, because I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot of great financial plans out there. Dave Ramsey offers one. We actually do Financial Peace University here uh, once or twice a year uh, about helping you get your finances in order. There's a lot of great resources that are out there. But this is one of the things that I've discovered. This is point number three, is that God offers a great financial plan. And I have been sharing this for years, and I share it with every couple who we do premarital counseling with. And it it's a financial plan that works, and it's this. I, I call it simply the 10-10-80 principle. I don't know where I got it from. I don't know what ministry I picked that up from. But it's something that's been a part of our lives for years. It's actually how we operate the, the church finances as well. And here's how the 10-10-80 principle works. You take 100, break it down into 10 10 80 You return to the Lord the tithe, what he requires, you save 10%, and you live in the 80%. Okay, What that teaches us is this, we got to learn to live within our means. And that's the big red flag that so many times we have within our finances that we don't do well in, that we want to live well above our means. The last time I checked this, I think that the national average was that the average American household lives at 116% of their annual income means that we got lots of credit cards, lots of home equity lines, lots of all this kind of stuff. But we simply need to learn to live within our means. And here's how you break that down. Let's be practical. You take how much money you make and you write it down on the top. Then you list out all of your expenses throughout the month. And you make sure that the first column stays higher than the second column, okay? That's called budgeting. We don't like doing it. It's not a lot of fun. But trust me in this, it will bring peace and health to your lifestyle and to your heart whenever you begin to embrace and understand that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in all areas, especially even within your finances, so that you can enjoy life the the way that God intends for us to be able to enjoy life. It'll help within your marriage. It'll help with your kids that you're not fighting over finances all the time. And what we see here is that the norm within our culture, within our society, is to be up to our neck in debt. But you sit down with your spouse, you make a plan, and you begin to pay off the debt within your household systematically. And you pick one bill, and you begin to pay that off. And then when you pay that off, you move to the next one. And you make your way through your bills, and slowly but surely, you begin to pay off those bills to where no longer are you up to your neck in debt. But now you're experiencing freedom within your finances. Everybody say freedom. Here's the deal. You might say, well, Pastor Jay, the the 10% tithe or or the 10% savings, we can't do that. And this is what I tell everybody, start somewhere. Start developing generosity within your heart, even if it's only 2 or 3%. Start developing saving within your heart, even if it's only 2 or 3%, and then begin to get your, your budgeting where it is living beneath your means. In other words, you're living where you're supposed to live. So many people, they go get a raise, and what do they do? They immediately rush out and buy stuff so that they're right back up there where they're at their neck in debt. And that's not the freedom that God intended for So let's learn to live within our means. Amen? Amen. Ten, ten, eighty. 80. Wonderful principle that you can apply to your life. And God's plan is something that is awesome. Uh, here, here's the last thing. We're going to wrap up with this because I'm running out of time. I've been very long-winded today. I'm sorry, y'all. Okay. Here's where we wrap up. You're talking, we're talking about understanding that it's all God's, that the stewardship mindset and embracing god's financial plan but you've got to develop an eternal mindset as well because here's what happens it's it's very easy to get distracted by stuff in this world and you start pursuing the stuff of this world and you start pursuing things and filling up barns and all this kind of stuff and, and and i always like to say it like it's okay to have stuff as long as your stuff doesn't have you in other words it doesn't own your heart doesn't own your mind a lot of people say well it doesn't but in reality if you look at the heart it does okay and so here's the thing we look at this story where jesus is telling about this guy who he pursued the things of the world and he didn't have an eternal mindset because i'm going to tell you something you can have a great job great promotion great house great family great uh stuff you can have a a bank account full of cash but if you don't know jesus you're going to miss heaven the choice is ours We spend eternity in one of two places, either an eternal existence with God in heaven or eternal existence, he's separated from God in hell. And the choice is ours, and we have got to get eternally minded. Here's the story. This guy, he said, hey, I'm going to build bigger barns. Look what God says. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how I will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And here's the thing. I look at a story like this in Scripture that Jesus told, and it breaks my heart. Because basically, here's somebody that did not prepare his life for eternity. He he thought he had everything figured out. Man, this is what life is about. And here's the thing. The broad road that we run on and we say, this is it. i got it figured out. What is the norm is not the norm. It leads to destruction. It leads to worry and stress and anxiety and fighting within our marriages. If we could step from that path onto the narrow path and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in all areas, even regarding our finances, man, the peace we will find, the worry that maybe we once had, it slips away because we know, God, you got this. Now, it doesn't mean you can say, God, you got this and be irresponsible. We got to be good stewards. And when we are good stewards, God, you've got this. Have you prepared for eternity? I, I'll, I'll get to that later. I remember whenever I, was, whenever I was running from the Lord, whenever I was like 17, 18, this is what I used to say. I'll deal with that later. I'm going to wait till I'm old like 21 22 seriously that's what I would say when I was like 16 17 18 then one day I ran into the Lord and just the presence of God enveloped me and I made a decision that prepared me for eternity and here's how you prepare for eternity you receive what Jesus did for you at the cross because your sin debt is not something you can pay if you say, well, well, I can pay that, you will pay it one day separated from God. And now, it's not a debt you can pay. But Jesus went to the cross and he freely paid it for you. And it's, it's there just waiting for you to receive into your life and say, I receive that. And when you do, the Bible talks about being born again. And you step into that relationship with God. And so today, I would ask you today, close your eyes across this room. Because there's some of you in this room right now. You're going to make that decision that affects you for eternity. You're going to step from the broad path to the narrow path. Maybe you've never taken that step in your life. There might be some of you in here who have. You, You prayed that prayer. You gave your life to Christ. You were surrendered to him, serving him. And your heart has slipped away from him. You've gotten to where you've wandered from him. You've drifted. And you know today, I, I need to get my heart right with him all over again. So today, if this is your first time you, you've done this, to surrender to Christ, or you want to make a recommitment of your faith, wherever you are, just right there, you talk to the Lord. And maybe say something like this within your heart. Jesus, thank you for loving me the way you do, for going the cross for me you paid the price for my sin debt and today by faith I receive what you did Jesus I acknowledge I've messed up I'm I'm a sinner today I ask you for your forgiveness I repent for the sin in my life And Jesus today I pray that your precious blood would wash me clean. That you would make me brand new. I surrender to you. Everything that I am. And Jesus, today I ask you to be my Savior. But I confess you as Lord and Master of my life. Thank you so much for the way you love me. Thank you so much for your mercy, your forgiveness extended my life. And Jesus, thank you for letting me step into your family today. And Today, if you prayed that prayer, let me tell you what's happening right now. The Bible talks about how the angels celebrate whenever somebody new steps into the family of God. Angels celebrating in heaven. There's a pen that was taken out and your name was written in a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. You are now a part of the family of God and today as you move forward from this point forward you allow the Holy Spirit to continue to change you to shape you to be more like him doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect but when you mess up you repent you get your heart right and you continue to move forward as one day all of us will step into eternity and stand before God and give an account of our lives you hear those words that the Father will speak one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. As we have prepared for eternity. Everybody open your eyes and look at me. Ain't God good? Let's give them a good hand clap today, man. I love them. Let me, let me tell you what we're going to do. In a couple of weeks, we're actually starting a series for ma- marriages and families. We're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit leading us as we go through life and we, different things within our marriage, different things within our family and I'm so adamant about this because we live in a day and age where the enemy's coming against our families with everything he's got. We live in a day and age where we're, I, I was looking at statistics this past week and I was just shocked because in 2008 whenever people decided when the economy crashed and everybody rushed to save and pay off debt, statistics prove that that lasted for a season, but we're worse today than we were before the recession of 08. So we got to be better stewards. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a series in the month of March about practical money management. And how we can begin to place some things within our life and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us regarding our finances. It's going to be a very practical series. I'm looking forward to it. But here's what I want you to do. Those of you in here who prayed this morning to give your heart to Christ, whether you made a recommitment of your faith or you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to invite our prayer team to go ahead and begin to make their way to the front. They're going to be here in the altar area after the service is is concluded. And I want you to come talk with them about the the decision that you made. They they want to talk to you about your next steps. One of the greatest steps is, is water baptism. That's your next step in your walk with Christ. Here's what's really cool. We have water baptism in the next service. And I think that they told me we have 34 people we're baptizing in the next service. So... if you would like to be baptized go by the welcome center and talk to them and you can be baptized in the next service but come as our prayer team Uh, we dismiss this service, let them pray with you guys, y'all go ahead and make your way to the front and church family, if you need prayer for anything at all you can come and let them pray for it let's all stand to our feet and as we leave out of here today let's, let's do this, let's be good stewards and let's represent the character and nature of Christ so well you know why? you know why? Because we don't just go go to church. Love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you back here this next week.